This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. It's time for help. And when I read the story of Job again, it dawned on me. The beauty of it is God does not care why you got in this situation. He, he's not concerned with you did this to yourself. That God is not like us. When you come to him, he doesn't spend an hour giving you a speech about, well, this happened because you did this and you should have done that. You got yourself into this mess. You get yourself out. That's not the God of the Bible. That's the way we treat each other. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Welcome back to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron, and this week we start a series called Help. Today's message encourages us to just keep moving when obstacles in your life seem insurmountable. We're partway through this message, and Pastor Jeff has been preaching from Job chapter 38. So let's pick up with the rest of this message. Here's Pastor Jeff. Now focus just right here. The first response God gives to Job, again, is not a speech about, well, you shouldn't have done that or you wouldn't be in this position. God is not like that. Instead, he says this to Job. Job, here's your assumption. Your assumption is that if you could have a complete and exhaustive understanding of your pain, if you could somehow get a revelation from God and know exactly why you're having to go through this, how long it's going to last and when it will be over, If you were to have a, here's your assumption, Job, a complete and exhaustive understanding of every aspect of your pain, then you'd be able to embrace it and accept it. Am I hearing you right, Job? To which 37 chapters would say, yes, God, you're hearing me right. To which God says this, really? Job, there are a thousand things that you readily accept every day of your life that you don't have a complete and exhaustive understanding about. You'll never be able to understand the intricate details, everything that surrounds it, but I am God Let me be God, but here's what I'll promise you. In the same way that I was able to take the chaos in the early stages of the creation of this universe and bring beauty, pattern, and design into it, I am the God who will bring beauty, pattern, and design into the chaos and the brokenness of your life. I walked out here last night, and there was a lady with her husband seated about four rows back here, And I thought, you know, I've been so busy. I need to get back in touch with people. And I walked out and just struck up a conversation. The first thing I asked her was, how's life? Now listen, how's life going? (laughs) She couldn't even answer me. She just immediately started to cry, which is what a lot of you would do if I asked you that. And she told me how she had just lost her baby girl to college. She just took her baby girl to Texas and came back. And man, when she started telling me, I almost started crying because I remember when I loaded up my car and my mom's, we said goodbye and I was just going two hours away and she was a wreck and I was a wreck. Why are you crying, mom? It's not, you know, but that's real to her. That's real to her, isn't it? And I reminded her of how God can bring beauty and design out of that chaos because her young daughter's going to go and she's going to do it. She's going to gain a new revelation of God. You know that's what happens when your students go away because you're not around all the time anymore. They've got to go to the one who is omnipresent. 
They will be forced to make a decision whether they're going to live with God or apart from him right then and there. That's what college does. Mom and dad's not looking around anymore. Is there a God who's watching how I behave? Is he with me on these tests and midterm exams? Is he real? You lost your job? Let me tell you why. I have no idea. I don't know. Pain is intricate. It's difficult. It's complex. But what I do say is that if you will run to God, God promises that he will bring beauty and design out of the chaos in your life. It might mean to give you a better job. It might mean to put you in a position that you should have been in a long time ago. Or it might be to get your attention that you're pursuing temporal things. And it's going to lead, lead to a sense of emptiness. I don't know what it is. You've lost your house. I don't know why. I don't know. But I know that God is with you, that he will bring beauty and design and pattern out of the chaos of your life. Now, listen, it gets, it gets more intense. Look at what happens in Job 42 after Job has had his encounter with God. He says this in verse five. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Look at that again. I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Why? Now, have you ever been to a party or been in a meeting that you said something you wish you had not said? As soon as you said it, you wish you could just roll it back in. That's what Job is saying. I can't believe I said all these things to God for 37 chapters. Now his eyes are wide open. And do you know what he's recognizing? Something that's going to be hard for us to handle now, I promise you. That God is the creator and designer of all things. And that he owes us nothing. You've been watching too much television. You think that God owes you a good and easy life. It dawns on Job that the very breath you breathe is a gift from God. That life is a gift from God. You didn't do something great in eternity past for God to say, you know, you've been really good up here. I'm going to give you a good life. He gave it as a gift. And if you experience good in this world, that's just icing on the cake. I can tell by looking at you right now. This sense of entitlement in America has just, it's destroying the depth of our faith, who we really are. This world is theocentric. It's about God. It's not about you or me. And God has the divine right to mold and shape and bring pattern and beauty and design out of the chaos he allows in your life for his purposes. Job, all of a sudden, starts to get that. And then in the end, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, he will stand upon the earth. Why does he say that? Because the best news came last. Whatever God calls you to endure, listen now, whatever God calls you to endure, he not only promises to bring beauty and design out of that chaos, he promises that he's going to be with you and upon you every step of the way. But it's better than that now. Don't shut me out. You're going to get a God revelation. You're going to see God. The more intense your pain, the bigger the revelation God gives. Your eyes are going to be open in a way that no one who's, ever, or who's never walked your path will ever see. I go back to my friend in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. Her name was Gloria. You know, a great skeptic, sharp mind. And I share my faith with her week after week. Finally, she becomes a Christian. Within weeks of her becoming a Christ follower, 
She's told she has cancer and about six months to live. Now, in the beginning, she said, Jeff, I know God's going to heal me. He is the God who is able, and he is able, and he has healed. She said, God's going to heal me. She continued to get more and more sick. By about the fifth month, the family called me from Bulawayo and said, Jeff, I think we're near the end. Would you please come down and be with Gloria? Would you just come down? None of her family, none of them were Christians, but they wanted somebody to come and be with her and then to do the funeral when she died. I got on a plane, went down there, and I sat by her bedside. It is, it is the most powerful experience of my life because she moved in that last month from God is going to heal me to this, stop praying that God heal me. I want to go to heaven. What? And she kept saying, Jeff, you'll never understand because you've not walked this path. God is revealing things to me that I would have never seen, that I'm seeing right now and I'm telling you, rejoice, be happy. I'm going to meet God. And I, as a 22-year-old, I said, I don't want to travel that road. I don't want to go that road. And she goes, and she told me, it's okay. Remember, I'm the pastor here. It's okay that you don't. But I'm telling you, I'm seeing things I've never seen before. And that's what I've learned as I set my hospital beds of AIDS patients who were dying, that God, when you're a believer and you've crossed over, seems to give you a revelation of himself as you get closer and closer to the end so that he can walk you across to where ultimately down deep inside you really want to go. But that's true of no matter what it is. Some of you, you won't die, but in the midst of your job, in the midst of your loss of a relationship, God gives a revelation of himself. I saw this when my own mother died. You say, I wonder if there's ever a time Pastor Jeff's going to stop talking about his mommy. The answer to that is no. I miss her. I, I love my mom. Getting to talk about her to you is a healing thing for me. So will you continue to let me just throw it in from time to time? I remember having my struggle with God. Remember what I said with C.S. Lewis? He said, you ought to bring to God what is in you, not what ought to be in you. Let me tell you, that week when my mom was dying, I brought to God what was in me. God, what are you doing, man? This is a good woman here. Why don't you go over and kill Mugabe over in Zimbabwe? He's an evil dictator. If you have to have a life, take his. My mom's a good woman. She's got a lot of work to do here. And she was. And then it was amazing how many times through that week God continued to bring my attention back to a conversation I had with my mom in the backyard when we were playing baseball. I don't know, I was about 22, 23 somewhere. And my mom said, I'm worried about you. Oh, what are you worried about me, mom? She goes, I'm worried about you because you don't love people. What do you mean? You don't love them enough. All you want to do is get sermons, but you don't love people. Until you learn to love people and love them deeply, you'll never speak anything into their lives. You know what I realized? When my mom died, I never thought it was possible to hurt that much and still be alive. I, I changed. I realized that in every seat right now, there's pain. And I, I do love you. I wish I could be involved in every single one of your lives. That's why we have multiple pastors here. But I want to tell you, God kept showing me out of this chaos that you don't understand, I am bringing beauty and design, and Jeff, I'm bringing it into your life. That's what I want to say to you, that God always comes near. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. And a reoccurring theme in the Bible, when Habakkuk struggled with the pain he was called upon by God to endure. He had a God revelation. And you know what he said? He said, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. What does he mean? 
When you experience pain, if you run to God, he will, he will make you able to do things you never thought you could ever do. In Isaiah 40, even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exalted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, which leads me to believe this, that the answer to our pain is more relational than propositional, that the answer to your pain is going to be found in relation, not some proposition, not some apologetic argument. Again, I think God would say, you want the truth, but you can't handle the truth. I'm going to give it to you in relationship. And I'm going to give you the power. And I'm going to give you a God revelation. And you're going to be able to go places you've never been, see things you've never seen, and endure things you never thought possible. See, the problem is there's a part of us in the middle of all this that we think God's not hearing. We think he's not listening to the cries of our heart. Because of bad theology, we think if we are suffering, that we've abandoned God and God's abandoned us. But the beauty of the Bible, the Bible tells us that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere, which is a good thing. I mean, if I need God over at Angel Stadium, I don't want to know he's at Dodger Stadium. Why he would be at Dodger Stadium, I have no idea. But I need to know he can be two places at one time, right? That God is omnipresent. I just lost half my audience. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth? Now, read that in the context of what I said last week, that if you want God to reveal himself and be visible, he would be so big. He would fill the universe. He would fill everything. He's not going to diminish himself so as diminish who he is. Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God is omnipresent, but he's also omniscient, which means he knows everything. Psalm 147.5, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Now look up and listen. Whatever it is you're going through right now, God knows every last detail of it. He knows how long it's going to last. He knows whether or not he's going to bring you complete and full healing. He knows how you're going to respond. He knows everything that needs to be done to remove it. There's no side of this that he doesn't fully and comprehensively and exhaustively understand. And he can be with you at every moment of every day to lead and to guide and open your eyes to a God revelation where you start to see him in a way you've never seen him before. The tendency, however, is this. When we're experiencing something, because we feel like God has abandoned us, we run from him rather than to him. If you run away from him, you lose so much. If you run to him, he says, if you come to me, I will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not grow faint, which tells me this. There is a spiritual adrenaline associated with the prevailing presence of God. There is a spiritual adrenaline associated with the prevailing presence of God. Would somebody in the audience please explain something to me? How it is that I go through this entire journey when my mom died of calling God on the carpet, taking him behind the woodshed and speaking a piece of my mind. And then right as we're lowering the casket into the, into the grave, I began to smile. Yeah. You know why? Because right when I needed God the most, because I had run to God and I was honest with God, he gave me a God revelation. And here's what he said. Jeff, I got news for you. Your mother doesn't want to come back. As a matter of fact, you think you're so smart, Jeff? 
If your mom's so good, then would not be a holy and just God to give her her reward now and spare all the pain on the earth? If she's so good, don't I have the right to say, I want her now, I need her up here. You think you're so clever and so smart. It's time that you let me be God and realize your limitations. I would hate to be in a room with God where he started to explain everything. Because I think we'd be like Job. I'd repent in dust and ashes. Woe is me, Isaiah says. I am undone. Now here's the last point of this message as we take it home. Let's review. I want you to walk away encouraged. Pain is complex. God is God. We are not. He promises to bring beauty, pattern, and design out of the chaos of your life. He promises a prevailing presence where you will receive a God revelation and see things that you've never seen before. And the more intense the pain, the more powerful and compelling his presence. But there's an end part to this, and I love this, but in order to do this and finish like this, we gotta go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Turn over to verse 29 of Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see this. Please don't leave, because a lot of you are saying, okay, Jeff, I hear your theory. I hear what you're saying, but what am I supposed to do now? Where do I go from here? What do I do? My life is still a wreck. Just because you gave me this powerful message doesn't mean my life is not in disarray. What do I do from here? Here's the answer. Now remember, when you go over to Hebrews chapter 11, you are encountering what has been termed as the hall of fame, the hall of faith. The whole chapter talks about people like Abraham, who Dane shared with us was a friend of God, Jacob, who wrestled with God, Moses, who oversaw the people of God. And then all of a sudden, you come down to this tiny little verse, verse 29, in this hall of fame, of faith, and here's what you read. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Now, what I want to know is, who are the people? What kind of people get to experience a Red Sea miracle? These must have been some good people, some powerful people, faithful people, to be able to have that disease cured just like that called Pharaoh's army. And then I go over to Exodus chapter 14, and verse 10, I get to read about the these, those people. And in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Okay, so they're a little afraid, that's all right. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Whoops, a little sarcasm, I think. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? No, they didn't say that. They said, get us out of here and get us out of here now. God, if you're real, you will rescue us from the hands of the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow, pessimism, ingratitude. And yet, verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Oh, I love that. Every time I read it. You gotta think about this. Moses, tell them to move on. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, Mountain on the left, uh, mountain on the right, Pharaoh's army in, in the back, and Red Sea, big body of water, huge, right in front of us. And God says, move on. Move on. And only as they began to move did God open up the sea. 
Same thing happened to the walls of Jericho. Why do we got to march around this wall seven times before it falls? Why don't you just make it fall? Think of the ridicule. Hey, what you guys doing down there? You going to march us to death? Going to walk around, wear us out? Walk, keep walking six days, seven days, and finally the walls tumble. Here's how God works. Number one, our victory is not up to our own greatness, but upon God's grace, love, and mercy for people. It has nothing to do with how good you are, whether you're going to receive a miracle or not. If it was dependent on how good you are, forget it. We all might as well go home because it's never going to happen. But there is a catch. You got to take the step. You got to keep moving forward. And here's where one of the most powerful principles kicks in in your life. It's called power along the way. See, you want God to solve it and tell you everything up front. God says, no, no, you keep walking. You keep moving forward. I will give you power to endure. I'll give you wisdom of why this is happening. I will give you clarity. I will give you a God revelation. If you go run and hide, you're just going to be defeated and be more lonely and more depressed. But if you'll keep moving forward, keep praying, keep worshiping, keep saying, even if he does not, keep loving, keep going to small group. God may speak through one of them to you. Keep singing my praises. Keep doing what you know to be right. And along the way, I'll release my divine energy. I'll give you power. You'll have a God revelation. You'll get wisdom. And I will bring beauty and pattern and design out of the chaos in your life. The victory comes as God gives us power and wisdom along the way. Listen now. You lost your job? I don't know why. Run to God. Run to God. You lost your house? I don't know why. Run to God. And by the way, be patient. Is it true that, is it not true God's been patient with you? Can't you be a little patient with him and allow him to bring beauty and pattern and design out of the chaos of your life? It's like the economist who went to God and said, God, is it true? Is it true that one day is like a thousand years? Yes. Well, then it also must be true that one minute is like a thousand years. Yes, that's true. Well, if that's true, can I take that to the economy of money that one penny is like a million dollars to you? And God said, yeah, that would be true. And he said, good. Can I have a million dollars? And God said, yeah, wait one minute. Now, just think about that. You'll get it. It'll turn. The issue is God has been so patient with you, man. Be patient and let him form and shape the beauty, pattern, and design out of the chaos. And you know what? Walls will fall, seas will open. Whether they happen by a great miracle, and don't give up on the miracle. Don't give up on God working something miraculous because our God is able, man. Don't give up. Never, ever give up. And along the way, other miracles will happen. The miracle of you seeing things you've never seen before, of experiencing God's presence the way you've never experienced it before. I think of this mother over here who, who's just torn up because of her separation of her daughter. But wait a minute, this might be the best thing, mom, that ever happened to you. You're gonna have to depend on God now because you're gonna have to depend on him to transcend the distance between you and your daughter to look after. You're gonna have to faith. You're gonna have to have trust in something you can't control. That might be real good for you. I don't know. I just know. God is able, and he will bring, now by this time you've memorized it, beauty, pattern, and design out of the chaos of your life. Father, we are grateful for 
your promises, your ability to heal the power that you bring into this church, into our lives. We pray for forgiveness where we've forgotten that. We've prayed for forgiveness of where we've not allowed you to be God and accepted that we are finite. There is a limit to what we can comprehend, what we can understand, but no limit to what we can endure if you give us your prevailing presence. Father, we ask for that for those who are hurting. You'd give them that God revelation and they would see things like they've never seen them before. And that you'd give them power and wisdom as they continue to move along the way. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.